0: In April 2020, just as the global pandemic was kicking off, Lawrence and I started recording our weekly Friday firesides. These are conversations broadcast live over the Crowdcast platform and joined by people all over the world who listen in and share their thoughts with us via the chat. We started these live recordings as an opportunity to keep in touch with our members, as well as process what it meant to run a business during a pandemic. Since then, we've broadcast nearly every single Friday and built up a library of over 100 episodes. We cover a range of different topics from money to meaning, pricing to purpose, vision to vulnerability, entrepreneurship to empathy, and product design to life design. This is our perspective of what it means to do business from the inside out, as well as the outside in. If you're a business hippie just like us, then you'll definitely find something of value here. We hope that these conversations inspire and motivate you to do work and build businesses that create meaningful change without burning out. Because like us, you're just wanting to make money, do good and be happy. A lot of ways that we can communicate with people online, uh, customers, community members, followers, audience, whatever you want to talk to, however you want to consider them. But ultimately, um, there's something around the the quality and I think the level of connection that you can make with different channels. I don't know. I'm going to explore this. um, But before we kick off, uh, maybe, Lindsay, why don't you just, for people who are listening to this or um, jumping on for the first time, like Jess, who might not know you, maybe share a little bit about... Uh, what you do at the moment what's your how you best describe your work and maybe how best des- you'd like to describe yourself
1: so my background was in digital design um, well, all realms of design from branding to website in the old world website ways to digital product design which is a lot to do with usability and um, what on, on online journeys trying to get somebody from here to there as quickly and enjoyably as possible but then I, um, I had two kids and pretty much immediately in 10 with that decided that my two passions design and the environment were really kind of excluding the environment and with having kids i really wanted to be doing something that was more directly related to the environment i was doing nothing related i was working for virgin holidays and apple and you know great companies with enjoyable work but not doing anything that felt fulfilling in this other kind of realm so i I decided to make bags, which is obviously jumping many steps there in terms of a tangent, trying to make it a little bit more getting to the newsletter part. But um, I decided to start using all the skills that I had in a way that I could relate to the environment in some way. And so I loved bags. I needed a bag and I couldn't find one that met all the needs I wanted. So just something that was in everyday slick looking bag that I could use for the countryside walks with the kids or the playground, but also be smart enough to take to kind of the design meetings I was going to. Um, And decided to make this myself, which was absurd because I didn't know anything about making a bag and manufacturing or what would be involved in materials, but I decided to do this and it's been this amazing thing. It, It was something that I can create using the materials I wanted to and so be thinking about footprint there. But then it's become this piece where it is so much more about the environment in a different way. And this is really why the newsletter is what we're chatting about right now, because it's then I really wanted to do this to change minds in terms of being aware of uh, our footprint and making sure we buy things that are the, be- the best possible. Probably one of the more gratifying interactions was with this uh, woman that I bumped into when I went back to America. And we had gone to high school together in the States where I grew up. And we, she was no close friend. She just happened to get on my newsletter at some point when I was at the early days trying to get anybody and everybody that I knew, all the family and friends from distant ways, you know, to sign up. And so she had signed up, which was wonderful of her. Um, And we happened to meet up because I was in Portland, Oregon and I don't normally go that far afield. And um, she, it was, it was so wonderful. She's like, I had studied environmental science in a uh, university and she said, I just, I've gone and I've changed kind of jo- jobs and I now do real estate and I love what I do because I'm, Doing it in a unique way, but I've lost that that passion and that focus of the environment. And just you through your newsletters and what you're trying to do, you know, using your voice is is so important. And that's really brought that back to me. And I'm trying to be more responsible once again. And that was just a, yeah a really wonderful thing where somebody had chosen for their life's path to be this you know one way and spent multiple years of study on this. And then it's I just happened to be my newsletters which are not, I'm, I, I come from no background in the environment, just a lifelong love of it.
0: Was there a, a key turning point that you can identify that made you think, okay, I need to, you, you talked about kids, was it purely having kids and thinking about, all right, what does this mean in terms of the future? Or was there something else that inspired you to think, okay, I want to think, think about work more holistically and try and bring in more aspects to what I'm passionate about?
1: why i decided to work on bags so i was very happy in the work that i was doing beforehand and when i started to create this bag it wasn't because i need exclusively this platform for the environment i was at a point in my life where i didn't know what i wanted to do i had two young kids and all the incredibly creative work was in london two hours commute away husband was already doing that commute and so i was trying to figure out like i was at the place where i was like open to ideas of what could I be doing myself using the skills that I have even if it isn't directly just the design that I have done in the past and so it wasn't exclusively it, I use that time to identify what are the passions that I really do love and what I'm really excited by and the environment and design just kept on popping up when I was trying to do like post-it notes of, of you know workshopping myself basically <laughs> finding my, my 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 voice my career whatever Yeah, and so the environment, this was one where, like, I I came across a bag one evening um, preparing for an interview for a different job. Um, And I felt like it was almost the right bag. It it looked so close. And then I just spent so much time dissecting it and being like, actually, I wouldn't be able to get to the keys. I don't know where there's a pocket for the keys. I'm going to have to open up the whole bag. And actually, the straps are a little bit beefy and a little bit, like, less unisex and more just masculine outdoorsy. And so it wasn't just the environment by any means. It was you, like relying upon the skill sets that I had. I had all these design skills. I could make this better even if I had none of that knowledge. And then it's just been an evolution where I was looking into the, like I wanted to do this in a green way, whatever that meant. But then when looking and learning more along this process, it was maybe a year and a half after I began focusing upon the area I knew, design, and making the bag the best way possible that I started to look into the actual materials that would be used. And at that time, it was just unbelievable that I was being recommended if I wanted to use wax cotton, wax canvas to have that made, which is typically just made in Britain, have it made and then sent over to Southeast Asia, have them make it in the different facilities there and then send it back, you know, where I could then send it off to the world. Again, it just seems so uh, irresponsible. And so it was then that I really began to do quite a bit more diving into the actual materials and their footprints and there's still I mean there's no black or white there isn't the perfect material Uh, it doesn't exist so it's all trying to figure out at this point of where Bexley is what is the best material in terms of footprint that I can be using
0: as I'm hearing it and please correct me if I'm wrong for you specifically there was a transition from being you know designer professional loving your work then to motherhood then Mm. to okay what do I do now for me Mm -hmm. And what that means in terms of, you know, it sounds like you use your design skills to then workshop your way to the next step. And and it, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like, oh, i got this plan and I'm going to do this and I know what I'm going to do. It's like... Who has that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be great. Well, there's an illusion. I think a lot of people think yeah. successful people have that. They're like, oh, ah, yeah. I have this vision and I will make it happen. As opposed to... There's a in a sense there's a there's a little bit of struggle there. It's like, oh, what am I gonna do now, and what can mm. I do given the constraints that I have on my life, and so yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I um, and let me know if this is going a bit too personal, but like just that experience for you of trying to essentially reevaluate what next and what you want to do. Mm. How did that feel? And and even just like that exercise of just trying to figure out what's interesting. It's like, how, how did you design that for yourself?
1: Sure. I mean, yeah, no, it, was, it was a really hard, miserable period of feeling so unbelievably capable and having spent, you know, what, 18, 20 years in one career and being at a wonderful level that I like, achieved and then not being able to, because I wanted to have connection to the kids and be part of their life. Uh, to be yeah just not finding the work that was rewarding by me and or at least not continually enough and and having to to do this but I mean I I'm so happy that I've gone through that um and that I had the ability to and through the skills that I had learned through working for other people in terms of uh, hosting workshops trying to figure out what are the questions that are most important to ask Of myself and said I now do this workshop with other people at times because it is just a wonderful kind of soul-searching realignment type activity and it doesn't necessarily bring the the solution right away but when I came across that one backpack while preparing for an interview when I came across it and I spent two hours trying to to wanting to actually buy this bag and realizing it's not the right bag I was able having just kind of identified what are the things that I'm good at what are the things I'm not good at what are the things I absolutely light me on fire and I could just have a conversation about for you know an hour easily um you know what are the assets that I might have you know being able to identify those different categories and then kind of taking all those post-it notes and kind of like matching them up in different ways and excluding the ones that really were draining for me thankfully did not include emails (laughs) um yeah I was able to then when the time was right figure out what was the right thing for me and so yeah it was really depressing like I just felt so capable and with no path that I could figure out ahead of me that would allow me to be a, an active parent um, or engaged <sighs> parent
0: so let's dive in now a little bit in terms of going from oh I, I want to improve the way I heard is I want to improve these bags because they're not working mm-hmm. for me <laughs> and I, if they're not working for me they not, might not be working for anyone else
1: well um, so that in uh, digital product design. So when you're creating an um, any kind of website that's selling an, I- an item, there's you start with the minimum viable product, and this is any any startup of any size, even if it's a service, you should start with the most basic item possible. And so for me, I didn't have any sewing skills, but it I didn't have a clear enough idea of exactly what I wanted to go straight to spending a lot of money on other people executing this idea for me. So I literally just went to fabric land or whatever kind of fabric (laughs) was on the high street (laughs) grabbed a couple of meters of just generic white canvas and um, measured up a backpack that I had nearby to just get loose measurements like it's 14 centimeters wide I'm gonna do it like 25 so I have a lot of extra and then started pinning up those first very early like pre prototypes. Um, and then literally pinned them to my back with books in them, just trying to gauge exactly loosely what size I should be making them. It was ridiculous. I have a few pictures of it that's absurd. Yeah, and then I got out a sewing machine I had bought on eBay, uh, and then just kind of figured out going back and forth. I still like only do one stitch. I <laughs> just know how to go back and forth, but I've done so, um, to, yeah, it. It. it I, I've managed to do so. It. Um, it's unbelievably difficult. It was working with bas- basically a, um, a 3D jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and I didn't know if the pieces actually would meet up though. Like with a jigsaw puzzle, you have some trust that the company's actually done it so they will m- match up. I never had that trust in myself in terms of what I've cut out, but you can unpick, right? You can undo anything that you've done. So I would sew down two rows, unpick one row, sew down two rows, unpick one row, not intentionally, but, uh, that was kind of the average of success I had. But um, I made that first bag and it took three months of evenings and weekends. And it was, I, I don't know how I continued to have that, that perseverance. Like I just really believe that this met all of those things I was so excited about. And I could see that really coming together and that vision clearly. And um, yeah, and it was, I mean, it was amazingly rewarding that the first time I used it, well, I mean, I finished it. And I was like, oh, my God, I've nailed it in one. It is perfect and ready to go. And it felt amazing. And then, like, literally five minutes later, I'm like, actually, that pocket's way down too low. It's like on the base. Was, I'm never going to bend all the way down onto the ground on the tube to pick this thing up. Anyways, within five minutes, I had a whole list of things that I wanted to change. And so almost immediately, maybe a week later, I began cutting out the material for version two mark two right into production that was going to take three more months and then mark three took another three months but during those three months i was able to be testing out the previous version and so even though it was my fabric land white canvas it still was sewn and you know um held items that i needed to hold and um yeah i had a, a fashion trend forecaster tap me on my shoulder actually on the train one day being like i love your bag where did you get it, and the most gratifying thing I think I've ever said was, "I made it <laughs> you know really, really wonderful, so that feedback like that um over those over that year really helped to give the energy and a lot of that drive for those evenings and weekends I was giving up with the kids or or friends
0: I love what you said something around you can always unpick something like you can always unpick and mm-hmm. undo and then restart, and that being a metaphor for the work the idea the things like there's a big perception I feel with some people like oh the first idea has to be the best idea because if I don't it's going to fail as opposed Mm -hmm. to you can always unpick it you can always Mm -hmm. unravel it and Mm -hmm. start again and that for me is really interesting another aspect I think I was linking to is that I I had a need for creativity a need Mm. for like just making something and something that's your oh own my God, yeah. power in your world nearly it's like ah oh, this is mine i want to do it and that in the you know you talked about the perseverance it felt like this is like a it was like something was coming through you in terms of you're like ah oh, this is this needs to be birthed mm-hmm. somehow and then when you're going mark one mark two mark three I, then i thought about iron man and his different suits <laughs> i don't know if anyone's interested in marvel <laughs> superheroes the first suit was a bit shoddy. It was made out of like bits of a missile. And then you had Mark II, which was amazing. And then Mark From III. Fabric
1: Mark II. Land. <laughs> From
0: Fabric From <Land>. Fabric Exactly. <laughs> but that, you know, you said over a year. Uh, for mm. some people, that's like, oh,
2: my God, so long.
1: Oh, my God. And well, had I known that, I don't know that I would have had that energy <laughs> either.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, and it's because it's a physical thing. You know, you have to and like, uh, the, you know. And well, one thing with digital things it there's there's a perception you can move faster but with a physical thing like you're walking around you have got to feel how it works and like how there's something i think quite um i was going to say human but there's something because it's tactile because it's kind of physical because it's not at the speed of digital something much more grounding i think around mm-hmm. that process that i'm feeling and and also i don't know if it, how much more you learn because it isn't quick, 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 there's a slow osmos- osmotic process mm-hmm. to it and learning the skills. I don't know, we, I, we talk about, I like to talk about entrepreneurship as a journey of self-discovery or spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. On that journey of a year, you know, did you feel you learned much about yourself in terms of I don't know, patience or clarity <laughs> or whatever?
1: I wouldn't have actually thought that this was connected, but I I was a violinist for a long time. And I mean, you practice that phrase 50 times and that phrase will be fine. And I suppose that kind of dedication that it's only in hindsight that I can't believe that I did that. And what I got out of that is is huge. I'm able to understand better how to create a design because I understand the limitations that that pattern will have. And that actually that extra pocket right there. Just a nice extra pocket. No, that involves another like three hours or an hour and a half or whatever of time because of this particularly intricate thing that I've created. Because it'd be nice, um, you know, I, I'm able to understand the limitations for the people who are producing it. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. Oh, I'm gonna go upstairs into the loft now and have fun sewing and unpicking and sewing and unpicking again. It, but it was so gratifying getting to to say I made that that was one of my post-it notes the things that I really wanted I wanted the the ability to say I made that and even though I'm not producing the bags myself anymore thank God I am really really proud of what I've created in a conceptual
0: way Uh, I'm curious about you linking it to violin practice I'm trying to learn the piano again I used Mm. to play it when I was a child and I'm trying to learn it again and um, my teacher was saying chunk up the bits and just repeat that bit and again and again and again until Mm -hmm. you got it and then move on to the next one and and there's a a, it's painful (laughs) but there's a discipline required to just keep on doing that and then there's a muscle memory an instinct that suddenly gets you you start to cultivate through that because after a while you're not even looking at the notes it's just Mm -hmm. one thing follows the other and so i'm I'm wondering as well, with the unpicking and the stitching and the unpicking and the stitching, it suddenly feels more natural as opposed to forced. I don't know mm-hmm. how that, and an and intuition around bags that you may have cultivated through that.
1: Well, I suppose with anything, there's just confidence that you get with the number of times you do it, right? And um, similarly, the more you're with something, the more you know that it doesn't matter. You can always undo whatever it is, right? And, There's very little in life that you can't undo. And so, yeah, I guess it's just the confidence now. I mean, with canvas, of course, if you make that hole, that hole for wax canvas, it's thick, it's like leather. You can't undo the hole. So for the high level of execution, of course, there needs to be a degree of, of perfection there. But that's not my area, thankfully. Those are the people who are amazing and that's their realm is to be perfectionists in that. But even if they were to mess up, I can still use that for other ideas. Like there, there isn't a mess up really.
0: And I think that's an interesting mindset to, to acquire in this journey that I th- there's a perception that could be linear. All right, have an idea, make the prototype, make mm-hmm. sure someone pays for it, scale the fuck out of it. And it always gets messy at some point and not feeling like you, it's all done and you can't unpick and start again or pivot or try something new the word resilience came up for me when you were talking about just being able to go up and you said it wasn't easy but you still persisted and then you get to a point I made this after hard work after a year I made it and how that you talked about confidence I think that confidence also adds to the resilience to then be able to like keep on going and I I wanted to touch on uh, Mark's question here Um, he was saying when something takes a long time to put out into the world the journey can be so gratifying but I talk a lot about the difficulties of continued Belief. What's helped you continue to believe in what you're doing, Lindsay?
1: I suppose because the things that I'm related to that I'm most passionate about, design and the environment, are the things that I've been passionate about my whole life. So this is the best way I know at present for me to be able to touch other people's lives and make some sort of difference. I'd love to be able to make a greater difference to a greater number of people, but with the tools and the skill sets I have, this is right now the best way. That's not to say that there aren't pivots involved in the future, um, unknown. But with that being the vision, it it, it is hard, no question. I completely understand the, this this question of staying the course because it can be a hard course. But I mean, for me, it's it's very easy. Every time I log on to The Guardian, BBC, New York Times, whatever, I mean, I have my my choice of horrible climate articles to be reading. And, um, I mean, that's a tangent of a conversation because it is, we are so little in what we can do. But um, I had uh, recently been made aware of the kind of one of those few magic pills that you can do that uh, really can affect the climate, which is to... Be consider shifting um, pensions towards green pensions similarly your bank accounts and mortgage like anywhere where there's a lot of money just being held moving that to uh very responsible sources or places that it can have so much impact the reason i'm bringing that up is because that was something i was able to share through my newsletter and and that's huge like so that is like Sure, I've, I've gratefully sold some bags recently, and that can help me. And I'm doing it in a way that's the least damaging I can think of right now. But that has the impact that is really related to my vision. So things like that mm. continue to help me keeping that momentum up.
0: It was, it was interesting that whole. Why heard you say was around? Well, I wish I could do more, have more impact. But, at the same time, I also sense a level of acceptance and presence mm-hmm. with where you 're at, and you know there's a and then thinking about okay w- maybe not through the bags, but the bags seem to represent a, a very core need for you to create something. Mm-hmm. I made this and it 's aligned with my values and there's potentially other ways that you can spread this message around sort of environment and sustainability, and you touched on the newsletter and the ways to mm-hmm. essentially uh the way I was going to describe it is create impact at scale without burning out, without you know, as a one person <clears> with a voice and an idea, how you can do that. And correct me if I'm wrong. In in my head, it was like one hand is like I make bags and I'd write a newsletter to be able to sell the bags. And then uh, what? Then I heard so it was like like I write this newsletter and I sell bags, and mm-hmm. it's like felt like a lot of the. There's a lot of energy and passion in the newsletter bit, so I'd be curious to just the starting point with the newsletter and how your relationship to the newsletter has evolved.
1: Yeah, it's it's very much exactly as you said. It was a complete 180 between bags and newsletter. The newsletter. So I suppose I had done a few prototypes at this point. I had no newsletter because I mean, like, I didn't even have a a product. I. I had a company name, I think, I don't think I was registered or anything as yet, but I was chatting with a friend um, who I was working with, a colleague, and uh, I had a need for a survey and felt like I was going to just write on Facebook, be like, hey, fill out my survey, please, to figure out, you know, what kind of items you need in a backpack because it's been very subjective so far. And my friend challenged me to do this on video and he said, you know, if you really want to do this, you've got to do a selfie video and just, or maybe not selfie, but like a video of you asking this, it will go so much further. And of course, I just was I just I don't this is so out of my comfort zone and I I still I I hate I'm like still the primary face behind Baxley and in all the photos and I hate being behind a camera. But I did it and and it, it yeah it, it uh had greater reach people well also people like to help you know so asking for people's help so much can really especially when you have a dream and you have this idea and your voice is kind of shaking cuz you're nervous cuz you really believe in it you know it, it it's a really, really is a wonderful genuine like that's the start of authenticity there but yeah just asking that plea and just people did share that and and that created my first I mean all that feedback which is wonderful um validating for the most part but then also insightful in other ways in terms of the bag that I was developing but also just that first list you know I asked at the end do you want to continue to follow the journey and basically be signed up to my new my yet to be launched newsletter and then um yeah, I wrote that first newsletter. But what was wonderfully lucky was that I had done that video plea. And that was so first person, that's not behind any company. And so I was able to write it, signed Lindsay. And that was the most liberating thing I've ever done. Um, I was able to just be like, so I don't know what's going on. This is my idea. This is kind of what I like to do. No idea how it's going to work out. And so those early newsletters were really, I'm still trying to find a manufacturer. I'm still trying to figure out what the materials are. Is this going to be the right manufacturer? Oh, I'm so excited. And no, it's not at all. And the prices have come in and they're horrible. And I don't know what to do about this. So like, there was it was really wonderful getting to share in real time this journey. And so many people really enjoyed that period, particularly. What's been fascinating, like, I really enjoyed writing that at that time. And I was religious about writing it every week. And that was a really wonderful exercise to get into it. And then it launched and I was able to use that whole kind of platform for, for launching Then, Like I think a year later, people stayed with it for a year without it existing, which is amazing. But oh. Oh, it's, ev- it's evolved so much though, because I can't continue doing that same kind of evolutionary journey. So the content has completely changed. But um, my relationship to answer your question though, is, is totally changed. It had started with, this idea of it being the most exhausting thing. And then it was something I really enjoyed, but it was a distraction from having to bring together this bag for the first time ever and a million different elements. Um, I don't know how many components are in the bag right now, but like, let's say 22 different items need to be sourced. It's it's a huge, huge number, um, especially when you're wanting some degree of transparency for each item. So mm-hmm. it was totally daunting and then it was, it really quite nice but but a little bit distracting but really kind of nice um and then i guess maybe around that launch time started to realize like actually i kind of really enjoy this thing like this is this is a lot of fun and then since then beginning to realize what kind of impact it could have beyond just a
0: marketing tool one of the things that we talk about with our community mm-hmm. and people particularly do this vision 2020 program we we're talking about yesterday this idea of working out loud and it mm-hmm. felt like that first period was you just sharing the journey, sharing the story as you're making it. The product isn't even done yet and you're still sharing the struggles. So there's there's very much this uh, initial period of like it's nearly sounded like a a, a, vid- a diary basically. This mm-hmm. is what's going on. This is the journey I'm I'm on.
2: Um,
0: it was. And balancing that with also designing the bag and doing all the sourcing so just, and being a mother and all the other stuff life admin that th- comes your way. So it sounded uh, exhausting but now it's you're saying it's turned into um, a platform it sounds for you to just mm-hmm. share your thoughts and ideas and, and 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 perspectives so yeah well you know one of the questions we we're thinking is like you know, how you found what is it helpful about having a newsletter now for you
1: well i suppose i mean just still Along the same line. So it it is the place I'm able to do my best to change minds and bring awareness to others about how wonderful life can be without more purchases, basically. And the irony, of course, and then occasionally I can sell more items for people to purchase. Um, So, I mean, there is, of course, going to be like I can't have a business without a degree of sales. So there I'm trying to limit that in terms of the salesy nature of the newsletter Um, And for the most part, I'm trying to just have the main newsletter, The Goods, uh, be just about inspiration and the story, the journey, and then have separate newsletters that only come out maybe once a month at most um, that are the ones that are related to sales.
0: Yeah. So there's a real, for want of a better term, a kind of a strategic approach to not be always selling, but at the same time not neglecting the fact that you are a business and you need to sell bags and that's how you do that in a way that feels right. And that, and that balance of trying to understand how best to communicate with uh, your people who sign up to a newsletter without annoying them. Maybe share in your opinion way the ways newsletters get done wrong and, and how people can maybe just make mistakes with it. Yeah, so...
1: I subscribe to so many newsletters. I'm a complete junkie at present. And I have to, of course, then also be very good about whittling out the ones that just are not connecting with me. And I'll let them go for a month or so. And then if I'm just not reading them, they uh, become unsubscribed. And I have a separate email account just for that. So they don't bog me down with every my standard email. But the emails that I don't like are all sales. So those are all the big corporations. I really just don't want to sign up to. Birkenstocks as much as I love Birkenstocks I don't want to be sold shoes that I don't need I'll go to them when I need it that is as corporate and un me or like like not signed by an individual if it was by even a director of sales at you know Birkenstock then sure perhaps so um there's a company a good I think is what they're called is and and they are trying to do that dance and they they are very much environmentally conscious brand and yeah, they, they are doing an interesting job of combining big company with um, that kind of personal. But what I've done to figure out kind of what is not successful and what is successful by subscribing to so many things, it's what do I relate to in each different email? If it's too hard to read, that's a big challenge. If it's just a, a light gray or a mid-tone gray, just always be thinking of somebody being this is me coming as a designer of course but somebody who's either 80 years old or eight years old can they read and can they make their way around a newsletter is it big enough like is there legibility um structure is it always going to have like an expectation that somebody can can find their way around the newsletter i i like this part i don't like this part or this is just one part seth godin the shorter it is the better i love seth godin's blogs and probably don't read it actually if it's too big because i like nice simple insights that he gives um consistency consistency is the number one thing and it is at times in my life i've had some uh, challenges coming up and i just am not able to be consistent but that is a big big problem you've you've got to have that consistency even if it's once a month that's fine but just um or once a quarter but uh you will always get unsubscribes on a, on any email sending as mm-hmm. i'm sure you're aware um, and so the safest thing is to not ever send them out, but you, <laughs> there's no, no value in that, right? And you'll get more unsubscribes the, least, the less consistent you are. So if you're just consistent, it's a nice uh, attainable balance. And so, if you're consistent, people also then are be able to are able to then buy into your brand and understand expectations. They say they will do this at this time. They do this at this time. Feasts and Fable um, is a newsletter, just kind of a rambling, lovely links and inspiration. And they've been doing that for a few years. And they send it at five o'clock every Sunday. Five o'clock on the. They don't miss that for anything, and it's it's really wonderful. There's no reason that that is important at all in my life. And do I read it at five o'clock on Sunday? No. And I do look, I look forward to it exactly at that time. No. But I really love being able to, to just know it will be there at that time. When you're sending it out every single week or biweekly or monthly or whatever, quarterly, people understand that that's coming and that's not jarring to them. If you don't sell or send any for a month and then all of a sudden you send three in a week, let's say, because you want to sell this thing. And oh my gosh, this is so cool. Let me just remind everybody I have to sell, sell. Or even not selling and just talking about it, it's intense. It's like it's like a neighbor who never comes by and then all of a sudden knocks on your door every single day. And you're like, what's going on with this neighbor? I need to start hiding behind my door. And so might be a really friendly neighbor, but that's, uh, that's really jarring. And so you put up the flyer, don't knock on my door or whatever it
0: is. There's something here also about, you said no clear purpose.
1: So, yeah, definitely. No clear purpose is setting expectations making sure that somebody knows what they're about to get on that newsletter and i'm certainly still trying to define this as i grow in terms of longevity of of Baxley, how i want to be what the type of content is that i'm sharing but it can be confusing yeah if if am i getting a sale like for, for other emails that i get is this a sales thing like am i supposed to be buying is there a call to action here Or is this just a newsletter that I open up and I just know, I just get inspiration on this always. I just, is just as clear inspiration. James Clear has a fantastic newsletter as well, along the lines of Seth Godin, where he just, yeah, very clearly three different ideas of his own, three different ideas of other people's or quotes often. Um, And then clear calls to action to share this. And then, of course, buy his book, I'm sure atomic habits but it, it yeah no it's just nice clarity you know what you're going to get that newsletter if i don't have time to read it i know what i'm missing out on as well but then there are other ones where like uh, there's i mean i just there's so many newsletters that i love like dense discovery is a huge one very influential to me in terms of striking a balance between just general inspiration of ideas links to cool content but then also that sense that this is really an individual i know who this guy is and where he's coming from and his individual beliefs these are not representing company this is just what he believes and it's beautiful being able to relate to somebody everybody right we, we want connection and the the emails that i receive that i like the most are definitely the ones that are the most connecting
0: another thing we were talking about was this idea of people getting it wrong because they're not doing any targeting or segmenting. Maybe just elaborate a bit on that for people who don't even know <coughs> what
1: Sure. So targeting and segmenting is uh, once you have a list already set up. So it wouldn't be for starting out. But particularly now that I am now established, I don't have that initial exciting, oh, my gosh, every, every single like weekly soap opera of what is going on with this journey there still is so much i'm figuring out and so there is a lot that i'm trying to share of of the journey but it isn't quite at that as a dramatic level anymore and so um i'm trying to uh, work with also selling product again that i've sold before so for example the roll top is the first backpack that i designed and that's one i just recently closed sales on and it um there are people who have been waiting for years and actually over years now they're beginning to think, actually, this could be the right bag for me. But there are other people who are just, it's just not the right bag for, and that's completely fine as well. I don't want to be aggressively selling this bag to the people who just don't want to, like, that's not their bag, but this other one might be perfect for them and they just don't want to hear it. Um, so I've now started to do segmentation and it is just really, really wonderful being able to write to a l- more limited audience. I think maybe there was a question earlier at the very beginning where, how do you speak to all these different people and so some people have been here since the beginning and they know my backstory and they know the whole kind of journey and all the love that's gone into the bag then there are people who just aren't interested and there are people who are interested but they don't know anything or they they know about Baxley or they don't know whatever and so the more you can begin to just target and speak to targeting seems too aggressive but it's just like speaking to the correct people so it allows for you then also to go into the metrics and the technical side and all of a sudden you have far higher open rates because these people are actually the right audience for the content that you're giving the higher the metrics that you can be getting in general also allow you to be avoiding the spam filters from people's email addresses so there's kind of a whole kind of technical dance that gets really yeah, boring, I can imagine. It's it
0: a bit hard for some when it starts getting the technical side. But I, I'm appreciating. There's a bit. There's a level of work required in order to mm-hmm. identify the different groups within your newsletter or within the list. But then there's a, 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 a. It sounds like a freedom that you then get because then you know exactly what you're saying to these people, and you're, there isn't that anxiety of like, oh, am I bugging someone? Mm-hmm. You know, the people who are going to get this want this. People who want to mm-hmm. get that want that. As opposed mm-hmm. to scattergun oh my god how many people are unsubscribing (laughs) from this because this isn't particularly relevant to them
1: one of the most important things is how how powerful an unsubscribe is and it's constantly trying to reposition it in my mind where unsubscribes are a wonderful thing so each email that I write has to be the best email I possibly can because somebody can hit unsubscribe anytime and it's practically impossible to get somebody to resubscribe unless it's been an accident and so it's got to be amazing and if it even if it's amazing but it's the wrong person then that's a problem right so if I've just been aggressive like marketing or emailing just non-marketing but just emailing too frequently it's it's a problem for that particular person so yeah, so segmentation is really helping with with that Um, but yeah each email has to be the best and then if somebody doesn't subscribe I can know it's because they just aren't the right audience.
0: Um, So Mark was asking, I think we were going to touch on this, is like, Mm. which email marketing platform ticks all the boxes for you? (laughs) And I know we (laughs) talked about you're going to share the things that don't work at the moment. Yeah. What is the perfect solution that you'd like for yourself?
1: Oh, God. So I I still haven't found my perfect solution. Um, I'm hoping I'm about to try a campaign monitor soon. which looks promising, uh, but I've said that before. Uh, I started with MailChimp, which I loathe. Can't believe they've been so successful for such a poor product because like, like they have a good, a good product and it works well, but to actually do anything other than just write the newsletter, to look in the metrics or anything, you have to be doing that as a profession and know exactly where to be clicking because it's very unuser friendly um, Good price points when you're really starting out, but then just... Um, as soon as you need more details, it's very expensive and very hard to use. Flowdesk is a nice, clean, clear one. Very beautiful uh newsletters. Um, as a designer, I have a harder time giving up all that design control. So that would wound up being the challenge that I moved away from. But it's a single price no matter what size audience you have or what that the need is. So there's a beauty in Flowdesk. Um then i moved over to email octopus uh where i currently am um which i think like 8 pounds a month like it's it's so inexpensive um very small team and they host some huge huge names but ah uh, it isn't isn't quite right for me it's it's just a little glitchy you need to have a whole bunch of pre-populated newsletters but i think i'm going into perhaps information that's not the most useful for people what i would love myself and what i'm constantly looking for are the, what you see is what you get. So I'm able to be designing using templates, clearly a lot of automation. So if somebody signs up, they automatically receive the the hello email or however many sequences I need to be sending out. Having sequences, a hello sequence is one of the most amazing tools if you're able to set that up just in terms of tips in general. Um, so like the, day one, they somebody receives and says, hello, this is who I am. Let me tell you about what you're to be expecting over the next week. And then there on out. Day two is, I'd like to give you one amazing insight that I have to share about whatever it is. You know, Those sequences can be so incredible in terms of connecting you with that person who's writing behind the scenes. Other things I would love for my uh, platform uh, analytics, like the, the more you start writing, the more the statistics matter, wanting to know where people are clicking, um, not just that they're clicking, but then what links they're clicking and who like being able to compare those metrics as much as possible. And the statistics over the different users, how they're reading and being able to really segment again, you know, so that I send an email to people who opened that one and clicked links in this other one and things like that.
0: There's something here around balancing the energy and excitement for writing the emails and also being able to use, make it effective and not feel like you're just talking into the void mm. and not really listening and sensing essentially there's this thing an element here of just <laughs> sensing what's working what isn't working rather than just right 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 and not really mm. understanding what's what's working what's not there's a quick question here actually given that you've moved around a lot Kim was asking she loathes MailChimp as well but moving to anything else feels overwhelming or is overwhelming in her case how How have you found that transition process? Or do you have any quick tips for people around moving from one to another?
1: MailChimp is so miserable and big that most email platforms will host a way for you to shift. So they'll be like, click here to move from MailChimp and (laughs) we will do it for you. So usually that's not so hard. Kim, also, I'm currently uh, about, was looking at Convert, um, Campaign Monitor, but uh, ConvertKit just came up as well. MailerLite certainly is uh, another big one uh, there. Many many options out there for different people, and and also in terms of how big your team is, if you have a team or if it's one person or two people, different strengths for different
0: different needs. So there's a. It sounds like some platforms will pro- help you automate that process of migrating um, your new newsletter list across. Is there anything? practical around the telling people about it or just, under, just people understanding that you're moving that you, in your experience is helpful or does it matter they don't no. even care whether you're on a different platform or not
1: hopefully they won't ever know uh I definitely had to move mid-launch one time and this is why I hate uh, uh Mail, MailChimp so much but um uh, I, I had to move mid-launch and it didn't go well and all of a sudden people got like four emails within two days and it was mortifying and unsubscribes and, you know, all the rest. Uh, s- hopefully they should not know. So when I've changed a second time, then they haven't haven't been aware of that. Um, mm, it's not, cool. I mean, yeah, a heads up, perhaps, like a little postscript heads up, I'm about to move platforms could be one, and if somebody's reading the postscript, then that means that they actually are an engaged user, somebody who wouldn't be, uh, or somebody who would be one who sees, uh, perhaps, small changes and notices them. Um, but cool. uh, separately, Carlos, you had asked a moment ago about energy in terms mm-hmm. of writing. And I did just kind of want to say that what's changed for me, I mean, I'm now able to view the newsletter as a platform, the word that you used earlier. Uh, and that's really important for me in terms of impact and very much uh, my vision with Baxley. But what's draining is when there is no plan. And so the more I can have in plan and the more that it can feel genuine what I'm re- writing, the faster and the easier it is to create. So for me, I always have now kind of like a uh, an intro area where it's just kind of like what have I been thinking about lately or what has inspired me lately and to kind of think through this area and and hopefully that's something that I'm is not just subjective to me alone but how can this relate to other people and maybe it's impact related maybe it's it's not but it's just how people are living and so it's not a, a macro scale impact but it's just micro it's how we live in our lives better and more enjoyable way second Mm -hmm. part though is just all in the studio so it's it is that update so that continuation of that journey like this is what's going on and sometimes there are positive things sometimes there are oh my gosh this this frustration because this email host is driving me up the wall or or something along those lines and then finally i end with a whole collection of links and those links are very important to me those are the most uh you know time consuming because i'm needing to gather all the links that i want to be sharing onwards and i don't Want to be sending off duds because then people will read the newsletter less and be more likely to unsubscribe.
0: Clear pattern and purpose, I'm hearing there, mm-hmm. in terms of just to make it easier and more energizing um, to do. Um, yeah uh I'm conscious of time but i would like to see yeah. if we can rattle through some of these questions that uh okay oh posted. Sorry. so quick fire answers first one is what's been the most successful method of reaching new people and gaining new sign ups
1: events hands down events for me it depends upon where you are and what kind of budget you would have for advertising the more money in advertising the more return you can get but social media is just miserable um i mean particularly particularly right now with instagram that's a very different beast altogether this week but um in the last few months even instagram like i've i've just not been using it nearly as much i can continue to be talking to my existing audience and get some more followers but nothing of any note and it's very expensive really in terms of conversions for sales for advertising there google ads focus on the seo instead of the google ads before signups um so honestly events and word of mouth and trying to knuckle down on where are you most inspired by so i'm about to advertise on dense discovery they just sent out a call today being like hey you've signed up to advertise on our newsletter i love reading this guy's newsletter and i know that he has a big reach and i love his content so i think that because i so enjoy his content his newsletter readers might be the same place so that or podcasts, if you are a huge podcast listener, is that aligned with your own audience? You know, so maybe there are alternative ways that have much greater value than um, than the just the standard ads, um, particularly yeah. if you have a smaller budget.
0: Next one. It was uh, back to John Paul who was asking about blogging is a how much should a newsletter be similar to a blog?
1: yeah i i i would recommend so i i this is an area that i've been wanting to do there's eight million blog posts that i want to be writing and there's just a limitation of time always so i what i'm wanting to do planning on doing is including part of it in the in the newsletter but then the full amount in the in the blog
2: and Although hopefully the always in that
1: blog to link back to the signing up for the newsletter for anyone who isn't. The newsletter is just the source of everything. Everything should point to the newsletter.
0: Boom. One last one. Any other tip that you can give to Tom around encouraging people to sign up?
1: Uh, competitions.
2: Competitions. competitions. Ooh. A little bit okay. harder
1: now with social media being uh, less organic, but still people like a competition and any sharing of lists. So if you're able to do a competition or anything that partners up with somebody else, so a collaboration, using two different lists of newsletter lists, that will grow your own
0: newsletter, certainly. Awesome. Uh, an example of a competition that you've done?
1: So I've, I have I wanted to do a collaboration one this year and then for uh, personal reasons I ran out of time. So I uh, wound up just doing the same thing that I'd done uh, in the two previous years, which is to have a competition uh, around giving away one of the roll tops that would be in the production run. Um, So I used uh, King Sumo, but also Gleam does does uh, this. I mean, a lot is called viral giveaways. Um, And with that, yeah, somebody signs up and the more times they share it on here or there, the more entries they get and uh, the greater chance that they would have of
0: winning. And the last one here is how often are you sending your newsletter?
1: Once a week at present, cool. and nice. well, so, at least in terms of the uh, there I go, yeah. Well, in terms of the goods, and then at other times during launch periods, of course, that's when I'm selling. So I have the goods, which are my standard newsletter, and then I'll have the sales newsletters. And then when we get into segmentation, oh my god, it, it's like I'm sending eight thousand newsletters, but not to the same people.
0: That'll be a future one: how to manage segmentation on your newsletter yeah. without burning out. <laughs> cool. Um, any. Final words, Lindsay, in any way that you like to point people um, specifically. We shared your website. Was there anything going on at the moment that you'd like people to know about?
1: As my parting gift, it is, yeah, just to write in a way that is so easy to write. So write as you talk, write as you would write in your journal, and um, make sure that it gives value to the person reading it. They'll enjoy living vicariously through you or they are learning something for you. They're inspired or they're excited
0: brilliant thank you very much and I think there's something there I'm going back to the beginning of this conversation where you were spending time understanding what is it that you really love what is it that you're really interested in what is it that's lighting you up and that being a good starting point to then be able to write more authentically like you were saying it's like write as if you're writing it feels like writing for Mm -hmm. yourself brilliant thank you very much Lindsay really enjoyed that um and it's always better without Lawrence isn't it (laughs) (laughs) no. <laughs> <laughs> know.
2: thank you for listening to this episode of the happy entrepreneur podcast to hear more inspiring conversations like this follow us on spotify and apple podcasts just search for the happy entrepreneur in march we'll be launching tribe 7 of our vision 2020 program if you're at a point in your career or entrepreneurial journey where you're asking yourself what next and you need the clarity and confidence to make some bold decisions about a new direction, then this program is for you. We'll help you define what success really means to you, understand the impact that is yours to make, make sure your mission is both energetically and financially sustainable, and also learn how to build a supportive community around yourself. We want people who are driven to do good in the world and are tired of trying to do it on their own. We'll share the key lessons we've learned while building the happy startup school and pivoting from the stressful peaks and troughs of agency life to a life of freedom, adventure, service and connection We value learning, play and friendship and we'd like to help you discover the values and the work that align more to who you are Don't struggle alone and don't get sidetracked by other people's measures of success Discover for yourself what it means to create effortless impact To apply for the next tribe, go to vision.happystartups.co We look forward to hearing from you.